Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are honoured to be joined by Kurt Smith of Tears for Fears. Um, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you and uh, whereabouts in the world are you joining us from? Um, uh, it's in the morning here in Los Angeles is where I am. Very nice. Um, now, on February the 25th, uh, Tears for Fears will be releasing their first album in some 17 years, I believe, uh, The Tipping Point. Um I mean, first of all, how does it feel to be on the cusp of releasing a new full-length set of Tears for Fears songs? Well, it, it feels pretty good. Um, you know, I, I guess, I mean, for us, you know, the initial battle is to to finish an album and then you get to the point where you decide to sequence it and put it together. And when, when you've sequenced it and you've listened to it and you think, yeah, that's a good piece of work, then that's the best feeling. Um, you know, the added bonus is the response so far has been wonderful. So, uh, you know, we've we've been uh, very lucky thus far. Excellent. I mean, had you, you know, where it had been such a long gap between between this and the previous album, had, had you kind of contemplated that there may not be there may never be another Tears for Fears record of, of new songs. Was that something that had crossed your mind or had you always known from, from the previous album that you would do something new? Um, no, it didn't really cross our mind. The The thing was, you know, when we made the last album, it really was because we got back together again after, you know, I'd been absent from the band for 10 years. And um, it was more of a celebration than anything else. And we were then starting to play live um, on, on top of all of, of the fact that we were, you know, a touring band at that point in time, we have had young children. They are now older, obviously. Um, and, and I was very aware of never wanting to be that absent father. Um, my wife has a full-time job. So that meant I was basically really Mr. Mom. Mm. Um, and, so the idea of of spending lots of time in a studio or a lot of time on the road was was not something I was willing to do. Um, and it wasn't until probably about, I'm guessing, eight, eight or so years ago when we got to the point of playing live that was becoming very successful for us. And, and we didn't do a ton of it. We mainly limited ourselves to the summer months and that way my children could come if I need, if I, you know, wanted them to. And uh, we, the set was sort of great, but we did get to a point where we felt the only way to improve on this would be to add new material. So that was really the genesis of the idea of doing this album. Mm. I mean, I was wondering, I, I know that it's, it's probably quite a long story, but I was wondering if you could talk us a little bit through how the tipping point came together, because as I understand it, there was an attempt to make an album not too long ago, you know, that involved, you know, uh, your previous management discussing the idea of bringing in additional songwriters and producers and people like that. And, yeah. you know, would you mind t- talking us through that process and how you ended up kind of moving away from that and then on to what, what eventually became the tipping point? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as I said, we, the, 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 the initial idea was for us to add material to our live set. So then we sat down with our management at the time. Um, 
this was just before we got a record company involved, but then a record company became involved also. Um, both of which said, you know, we you should be writing with more modern songwriters and, and doing more modern sounding records. And um, we, we went along with it. Um, you know, it was an interesting exercise, I guess. Uh, but it became quite apparent to me um, pretty early on, I think, that it felt slightly dishonest. Um, and, you know, I think we got one good relationship out of it. I mean, there was one writer, um, we, we worked with called Sasha Scarbeck in London, who we both got on with incredibly well. Um, and the people who worked with him, Florian Reuter. Um, and so that went well, but the other sessions were, were kind of half-hearted attempts at a modern hit single and that there really was no substance, substantive matter to me to the songs, which, which comes from really mining your own feelings and emotions. And during that period of time, also Roland was kind of going through a personal crisis. So I don't think he kind of knew what it was he wanted. I think he was more using it as an escape from his everyday life, which unfortunately at that point in time was watching his, his then wife, um, you know, slowly deteriorate to the point where she did pass away eventually and I think that that didn't, because of that, he wasn't capable of really focusing, understandably, completely understandably. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, his wife passed away, I think 2017. And um, it wasn't until 2019 where he felt, I think he grieved enough. And we really revisited the work we'd done during that period of time because we weren't happy with it. It didn't get released. And we actually bought the, the what we'd done off of the record company because we didn't want to be with them. And we'd also lost our management. So we were left just the two of us. And um, late 2019, we, we had dinner and discussed whether there was a way forward and should we actually be doing this if we're not happy, because he had come to the same conclusion that this really wasn't truly representative of us and didn't have the depth of a Tears for Fears album and just sounded like an attempt to, to be modern, which, you know, I, I don't think anyone wants to listen to a 60-year-old be modern in my view. <laughs> um, although, you know, I've been proved wrong as far as success goes, but I don't like any of those records. So, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to be involved in that. Um, and I don't think Roland did eventually. So we sat down and we, we just, we thought, well, the only way we're going to get this done is really for the two of us to sit down and work out what it is we want to do. And, um, with that in mind, we decided to go back to a place which we hadn't visited since The Hurting, our first album, which was sitting down in a room with two acoustic guitars and seeing what comes. Um, and if anything came, then we'd know we have something because it came from us. Yeah. Um, and we sat down in my house in L.A. and and wrote one song, or at least the, the start of one song, which is the opening track on the album, No Small Thing. Um, you know, and that's the reason it starts with acoustic guitars. Uh, and and when we had that song, we realized, okay, we, we have something to say here. I, I get what this album needs to be about. Um, and and to be honest, so much had gone on um, in, Ro in Roland's personal life and in the world up to that point in time that if we didn't have enough material um, or at least 
subject matter to mine, then we really had no business being songwriters. I mean, apart from, you know, Roland's wife passing away, we'd been through, you know, four years of Trump in America, which is where I live. Um, We've been through the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, the climate change crisis. I mean, there was so much going on that uh, it, it became easy once the two of us sat down and realized this is what we want to do. We want to make an album that has some depth and some meaning to us and really um, basically puts forward our view of what's happening right now. So it has some meaning to us. It has it has some lyrical meaning to us, which I think the material prior to that was lacking. Mm. I mean, that must have been quite a lovely moment then when you first, you know, the pair of you sat down, as you say, at your house with an acoustic guitar and then something did materialise um, yeah. sort of fair, fair, fairly quickly. I mean, that that after having arrived at that decision that this was something that you did want to continue doing, you did want to, and you wanted to pursue pursue your music in that way, it must have been great and almost a relief to know, yes, this still works. We still have that spark when it's just the two of us in a room together. Yeah, that was definitely, yeah. I mean, that was a, a relief. And also when we're left to our own devices, and, and this was, the, I think, more the key part, we are far more experimental. Um, and we tend to ignore what is going on currently. Um, once we, and, and, the, and the first thing we realized was, you know, we had been on this elusive search for the modern hit single when the first thing we realized when sitting down together and no small thing came was, we're an album band. That's what we do. You know, we make albums. We've never done otherwise. We've never gone in search of a single. Every single we've released has been taken off an album. The album was finished prior to that single being released. Um, so once we came at it from, you know, the, our comfort zone, which is that, which is making albums that tell a story, that have some depth and meaning to us, that leave us feeling satisfied that we've gone on a musical journey by the end of it, then it became an easy process. So, you know, if I go back and that writing session was the beginning of 2020, which of course was the beginning of the pandemic, you know, another thing that obviously is in some of the songwriting. Um, so Roland then went back to England and he couldn't come back to the States because we were in lockdown and I couldn't go there because we were in lockdown. So for for between February or February of 2020 and the end of August 2020, we just did things via email. We were sending ideas back to each other and, and little sort of demos of things. And each of us was sort of adding our bits via email. Um, and then Roland, we managed to get Roland back into America at the end of August, beginning of September. So beginning of September, we started in the studio and we were done by Christmas. So when it when it's natural, it comes easy. It comes easily. It's when you're trying to shoehorn something that doesn't fit, um, which is us into the modern hit single. Yes. Um, it, it, it's 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 a far easier process. It, is that part of the the kind you know the enduring appeal, I guess, of of Tears for Fears? You know that because it seems particularly in recent years, actually, there's been. I, you know, I wouldn't say a renewed love because, you know, you're a band that have always, there's always been a lot of affection there, but it seems like a lot of contemporary artists have, have either cited you as an influence or clearly demonstrated that you're an influence upon them, you know, within their music, whether it be doing covers or samples or whatever it may be. Is that that determination to kind of be true 
to yourselves and to not put something out for the sake of it, not put out something just because you're in search of a hit, but that, that absolute commitment to to doing what feels right to you, it presumably has been something that's underpinned your success from day one. Yeah, without question. Um, I, I think we're both... Um, we're both pretty sure of what we want and uh, and what we like. You know, I, the thing is, I, I don't think I want to start this in this stage of my life doing things I don't enjoy. Um, and and if I'm not into the music, if I don't like it, and, you know, there is a lyric in one song, Stay, which is the last track on the album, which is, you know, old enough, young enough, old enough to realise or young enough to realise, old enough to know it's all or nothing. And and for us, it really, it kind of is all or nothing. Um, you know, we've got to be completely happy with it for us to put our names on it. Um, and, and that's just, I think that's just the way we are. I, I don't think we've ever been, you know, from our early days, we've never been in search of fame or money particularly. You know, I mean, the money side comes in useful and it's quite nice. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking it, but... Um, you know, music is is something that's kind of precious to us, I think. And and once you lose that, um, I, I just don't feel I could be a musician anymore. Um, I, if it if it becomes just a job, then um, it, it's a pointless exercise. The whole joy of being a musician and a successful one is you're actually making a living out of something you love doing, which is which is a joy. It's a fantastic position to be in. But once you stop loving it then you really shouldn't do it anymore because you might as well have any job um and and i don't think we ever wanted to get to that stage no absolutely um i mean i'm curious to know what this album has done has it kind of made you feel like there's kind of renewed strength in your relationship with with, with, you know because it feels like i mean it's such a beautiful record as well you know it really does feel like a it's the absolute antithesis of a record that's just been put out in search of a hit. It feels like a very complete body of work and it does feel contemporary while still very much sounding like a, a tears for fears album, but has the fact that you've been able to, to make something like this after, you know, such a long time between this and the previous album and all of those huge changes and whether it be personal events or political events that you've mentioned and listed there over the past five or six years, to know that you can kind of come through all of that, all of that turmoil, all of that change, and then still be able to come together right in such a way and produce something that good. <laughs> you know, what, has that kind of made you review your, not review, but kind of just, yeah, re- reflect a little bit on that partnership that you, you both have? No, without question. I think that, um, you know, by the end of it, uh, you know, we're both very aware that there's some magic that happens when we're on the same page. You know, um, it's the getting on the same page that sometimes can be the struggle. But, um, you know, this happened to be one of those points where we're both completely in accord with what this album should be. We both love it. We both love it from start to finish. I don't think that's really happened since the hurting. And and that's more because I, I think this was started the same way the hurting was started, which is just the two of us. You know, and the hurting was, you know, written and and a, a bunch of the recording was even done before we signed to a record label and before we had management. And in fact, the whole of the hurting was finished, I think, before we had management. Um, obviously, we'd signed to a record label by then. But um, it, it's um, it's the most 
personal album we've done since then to the extent that there is no real outside influence. It's, it really is myself and Roland sitting down and deciding on the bits we can agree on. Now, without question, if we'd gone away individually and done these things, they wouldn't sound any, any, anything like this. Mm. You know, there may be more of, of something else, but that, that knowledge of, of, that we both appreciate of the strengths we both bring to a partnership, which, you know, I don't think we've, we've really embraced for a long time. Um, it, it's the most balanced record we've done, I think since 13. Yeah. I mean, it felt like, you know, what you, you were honored at the, um, at the, at the Ivan Novello awards with the, uh, it was the, was it the outstanding song collection uh, exactly. award, which was, I mean, that was a, it was a, you know, you, you both, both spoke, I know Roland spoke particularly um, kind of effusively at that, you know, when he accepted the award, it was, it was a really lovely speech and it looked like a really emotional moment for the, for the pair of you. Did, did that feel like it was a, that was a real defining point of, of your career today? Cause it felt you could see, you know, in the room, what that meant to the pair of you to pick up that award. It was more than just winning an award at a, a music industry awards yeah. do it was it felt like a, a big moment for you two no it definitely was um and i think it touched us you know because obviously the i'm novellos are, are, are literally you know an award voted on by your peers for your songwriting i mean that's it it's it's a, an award about music in its purest form um it's not about how successful you were it's not about how many records you sold, how good you look, what, whatever it may be. It's not, it's, you know, how wonderful your video was. I mean, it's a, it's an award for songwriting. Um, and we were, we were kind of, I think we were taken by the reaction in the room. You know, these are our peers effectively. Um, and the sort of, the standing ovation that, that kind of wouldn't stop was amazingly touching. You know, it was, um, I think it brought both of us to sort of the verge of tears, but, you know, and, and that realization that we'd never have gotten there without each other. Mm. You know? And we're both aware of that. We are, you know, we, we can have our ups and downs, which we've had during our careers. Um, but, you know, we realize that our best is when we're both functioning as a, as a, as a pair. Mm. And um, that, that's undoubtedly the best work we do. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, it was a very touching moment. But I think that, uh, you know, as I said at the end, you know, there's really two people I need to thank for this, and that's myself and Roland, you know, um, because without each other, we wouldn't have got there. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I was curious to, to know a little bit about how your your writing approach has sort of developed and evolved down the years, you know, from when you first started working together as teenagers up to now you know obviously with with the tipping point it feels like you found a way of working that you know in 2022 absolutely works perfectly for you but have you really have you had kind of big fluctuations in the way that you approach records and the way that you try writing together or has it always essentially boiled down to getting the pair of you in a room and seeing what comes out yeah the writing is not um it's not really been a, that much of an issue um, because the, you know, the, what goes on an album is, is the stuff we agree on. So it doesn't really matter that much who writes it to a certain degree. 
it sometimes matter who matters who sings it and i only say that not in a sort of you know we need i need to sing more or or you need to sing less i mean it more in that balance where we are also aware and become more aware of the fact that you know my voice tends to be darker and more maudlin i mean and more introspective which it is and softer rowan's is more bombastic and strong and in your face um and so there needs to be that balance there for an album to flow because you need a break now and again from me both of us you know i think i think both of us have said on occasion you know like no one wants to listen to me whispering in their ear for 10 songs no one wants to listen to Roland shouting at you for 10 songs um so it's you know and that's obviously being slightly facetious and exaggerating but um it's that balance that enables it to work and i think it's very unique to us you know and something we should embrace i mean unique in the sense that we have two front men and two singers and um you know now and again we 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 tend we can forget that or tend to forget it and then you realize oh that's what's missing we we don't have enough of this so um we we are lucky enough to have two vocalists that can cause issues now and again but um in the end if you play on that as a strength it works incredibly well for you yeah absolutely i mean on the um I believe it's on the 21st of February, uh, you'll be giving a performance as part of Radio 2's Piano Room Month. Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about that? Well, uh, have, you, uh, have you kind of discussed uh, your song selections for that yet? Have you looked at potential reworkings of, uh, of songs? What, what, what can people expect from those sessions? Um, well, some, a couple of re... Well, I mean, they're all reworkings because you have to do them, you know, in a completely different way. So we have, um, no, we sat down and we're, we're lucky enough that um, our keyboard player, our live keyboard player who, well, and plays with us in the studio, a guy called Doug Petty, is actually a wonderful arranger, or, orchestral arranger. Um, and so we've, we've done these sort of, I mean, you know, one track is an easy one because one track as a, as a recording has orchestra on it. So that's easy. Um, but uh, the other two we've had to reimagine somewhat to make them different and slightly darker, I would say. Um, but it's it, it was actually a joy because uh, suddenly you're... It, it's kind of like, um, you know, when when we listen to certain cover versions and I'll cite Michael Andrews, Gary Jules, Mad World and and Lords Everybody Wants to Rule the World, where those those arrangements of our songs seem to us a little more in tune with the lyrics, strangely enough, because they are darker, whereas we tend to catch those things in something slightly more upbeat and bright. Mm. Um, and these are definitely darker, interesting versions of the songs, which which uh, we found kind of fascinating. And uh, so we're looking forward to it. You know, thankfully, we had a rehearsal the day before. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you only really know when you get there. You know, we've done it on computer. We've arranged the strings. We've we've listened to it. And we think it sounds great. Hopefully, it sounds great in person. Fantastic. And I, I just wanted to ask you a little bit as well about the importance of of radio in you know today's streaming age. You know, because I think a lot of there's been a lot of conversation around the industry about how how the role of radio has changed. You know, with people kind of just so connected to whichever they're streaming platform of choices you know what, what role does that leave for radio but I, I think that there's a an interesting dichotomy there because i think in some ways yes 
for for a certain generation there might be people that are just happy to check out playlists and you know see what yeah. pops up on their app but then i think for other people the the need for for human curation when it comes to discovering music is perhaps more important than ever before because there's so much of it out there now i was wondering what your view is on on the role of, oh, of radio yeah. today yeah i mean i think you hit the nail on the head and, and it would have been the word i would use for radio which is you know you have a curator which which if that curator is good is very helpful um and also you know there, there's there's um what's interesting is that you know i mean if i would cite radio 2 as an example um now and again when i'm in my home in la i listen to radio 2 see a long time ago, I couldn't have done that. Mm. You know, it's on my tune-in app, and I can listen to it. I have Radio 1, I have Radio 2, I have English radio that I can listen to to hear what's going on in England. So in that sense, the the audience, or where, where it might be smaller where you come from, mm. it's re- reaching a far wider audience. So the importance is the curation, and and I will listen to radio for that prime purpose, which is if there are certain shows or, or DJs or hosts that I think have good taste, then I would like to listen to them to hear what they have on offer that's new. Um, for me to find new music, the two places I find new, new music are certain radio stations that I listen to where I appreciate the host or my kids. <laughs> those, are, those are the places i find new music it for me it's not actually from playlists or things that are suggested to me particularly okay um what can you tell us about taking this record out on the road is, is that something that you have planned for yet are you going to be uh touring globally are you kind of doing sort of spread out tours what what, what does the live picture look like for you at the moment well right now the only dates we've um confirmed you know and it may well continue um our us and uk dates which start in may um which we're looking forward to and more so now because in the last um two weeks we've been um doing tv shows here and uh so we've had to play live with the band and play playing and we were playing three of the new songs with with three old songs which were the the things we were asked to play for these tv shows mm-hmm. so we 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 realize now that the new material fits in wonderfully with the old material and stands up to it which is which is great um and works incredibly well live so there's a certain excitement there about playing live um that we hadn't felt haven't felt in a while because we're looking forward to putting those songs into a set mm-hmm. um you know the hard battle is going to be which ones and which ones, you know, survive. And the the excitement of that sort of flying by the seat of your pants feeling for the first week, because, you you know, what works in rehearsal doesn't always necessarily work in front of a live audience. You're not getting that direct feedback. So your set that you think works fantastic from start to finish, and then you go and play live and you realise there's a couple of low spots or that, the, yeah, we can't put that song there because the, the reaction wasn't good enough. You know, they didn't quite get it. So um, that that's sort of exciting, you know. I, I think that the nervousness adds to the excitement more than anything. Yeah, it must be quite a thing after, as you said earlier, you know, going out and performing a fairly familiar set of songs for such a long time to actually have some new stuff to throw in there must be uh, must be quite exciting. Yeah, no, definitely. And and as I said, you know, they do fit in incredibly well. Um, and we've been playing 
I mean, in the last few weeks, the three we added were Break the Man and Tipping Point and No Small Thing, and they all sounded great. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, thank you so much for, for joining us for this. It's been absolutely uh, wonderful chatting to you. Um, very much looking forward to the Piano Room uh, set as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. As I say, you know, I'm slightly nervous, but but good nervous. Yeah. Of course. Well, as I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And I love the record. I think it's it's absolutely stunning. Um, so, yeah, great to, great to hear a new Tears for Fears record. Thanks very much. Great talking to you. Brilliant. Thank you, Kurt. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.